opened up the, the year with a message around introducing 21 days of prayer with fasting, which is how we started the year. And I read something out in that message, what, what, something that God had spoken to me as I had been praying and writing down my prayers. And uh, just getting to the point where you go, Lord, something needs to change here. And that's where I was at. And I read out what God, I really felt God had said to me. God wants to, uh, you to know that it wasn't a mistake. You didn't miss the mark, but it's time for a new season. I really felt God say that to me so clearly at the tail end of last year. And I said something um, in that message, uh, which has come back to me just again this week. I said this, we simply cannot, in bold letters, capitals, cannot adopt a business as usual approach as we launch into 2020. Do you remember me saying that? In 20, at the start of 2020, the first message I said, this is not business as usual. It's not a business as usual year. I went into uh, looking at the life of Abram and how God had promised Abram a people and a place. And even today, it's about a people and a place. God made this covenant with Abram and he promised him that he was going to have offspring and that he was going to have a land to live in. And God answered those promises. Abraham didn't really live in the land and see all that God had promised, but it was fulfilled in the generations that would come. I talked about how there's a difference between the Logos, which is this here, the Logos, the, the written word of God, which we have in our hands and have the opportunity to read and hear what God is saying to us through the rhema word, the word that carries the very breath of God, and we have the ability to really get stuck into that and hear what God is saying to us. And how Abraham had heard the rhema word of God about this promise that it was about a people and a place. And I really felt that God was saying to me as I was in my sort of prayer times at the tail end of last year, that it's about a people and a place the people in the town that we live in, and not just this town, but the villages and towns that surround us. And God wants to do something that impacts not just Whitburn, but the villages and towns that surround us. And I said, only faith can inherit the promises of God. Only faith. We're, we thought about how Lot went off and did his own thing, but Abram clung to the word of God and to faith. And one of the things that I said in that message was that you must be willing to move forward in the things of God and the promises of God and in the power of God. And I said also today for us as a church, it's about a land and a people, a land that God wants to heal and a people that God wants to save. That's what God is stirring up in me, in this congregation, in this community. I really believe that God wants to do something brand new. And last week I talked about new wine, uh, sorry, new wine needs new wineskins because God is bringing us into a new season and we need to be focused on the mission and not the methodology. Focused on the mission and not just how we meet and the things that we do and how we're organized. And I hadn't read this book, by the way. You need to understand something here. I hadn't read this book in its entirety prior to deciding to launch out with us as a church. Um, I bought these books at the tail end of last year because I felt this is where God wanted us to, to be after 21 days of prayer with fasting, was to get into a 40-day prayer challenge. Now, I knew what the book was about. I knew the ethos of the book. I knew the, roughly what it was going to be saying, that it was about prayer. 
And, uh, you know, there's, there's one of these things. If you don't have one of these books, we've got a couple left, and we can give you one of these. It's a sort of reading plan as well. And so we're on, we start reading 16 tomorrow, uh, just for those who need them to catch up. But on page 64 of this book, and let me just read this. On page 64 of this book, this is what it says. It says, don't just pray about it, act on it. Don't just pray about it, act on it, okay? There are defining moments in life when we need to prove to God that we mean business. 21 days of prayer with fasting was exactly that. It's putting something into action, showing to God that we mean business. And he goes on to say this, and I don't mean business as usual, right? I hadn't read this. I just thought I needed to clarify that. In fact, it's only when business as usual goes out of business that we're in business, the Father's business. That's where we're on the verge of a breakthrough. That, these words are just incredible to me. This, to me, is the very voice of God. This is the rhema voice of God to me saying, yeah, you've been hearing the right thing. You're leading the congregation in the right way. If you don't have one of these, here's a free one. Does anybody not have one of these? Right, there you go. And we've got a few more in my office uh, just to really encourage us to pray. And I talked about how I was at a pastor's prayer gathering up in Dunblane. It was an overnighter. We'd been fasting prior to going to that. Um, and there was 140 uh, ministers, leaders from across Scotland, from different denominations. And we spent uh, three hours on the Tuesday night praying. We got up early on the, the, the Wednesday morning. We spent another three hours praying, praying for uh, all sorts of things. And uh, I just felt the presence of God so powerfully there. And uh, one of them that Alistair can come and uh, speak in the church sometime. Um, but on the Wednesday morning, you get up early, you've been fasting, and you're, you're kind of in that place where you're, like, you're hungry just for not a sausage, but a word from God, okay? Honestly, I was like, I'm not interested in food. I want to hear what God is saying. And uh, in, in this session, we split up into small groups. There was either two or three of us. I can't remember what it was. And Alistair was in my small group. I saw him, and I, I gave him a nod and a, a wee wink. And, and, and the message got across. It's like, we need to pray together. And Alistair came, and he prayed. And there were three things that he prayed, which I think were very specific. But listen to this. This is one of the first things that he prayed. He, he prayed, breakthrough is on the way. I thought, Wow. I'm like, God, will you stop speaking to me like this? I can't handle it. It's like he keeps saying the same things. And it's only some of the things which I feel God has been saying and some of the things which he's leading us into as a church. I say that to encourage your faith this morning. We need our faith to be encouraged. You know, one of the most helpful things I heard last year, I was listening to a podcast, and it's probably one of the most helpful pieces of advice I've ever heard in my life as a pastor. And this person said the pastor's most important job is to keep himself encouraged. Think about that. I felt quite validated in the need for encouragement for that. I was like, I need to keep myself encouraged. And I shared in the life of the church over the last number of weeks about this revelation of walking by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. And God, I, I know what that means in my head. 
right? I know what that means in here. I understand it with my brain. But God did something and it dropped down into my heart and gave me an understanding that actually it doesn't matter what you see. You need to begin to walk by faith to see what God is seeing and what God sees for the people in this church and for this, uh, for this community in which we live in the surrounding communities. God's doing a new thing and God is speaking. And I'm, I'm really praying that God begins to speak into your life very specifically so that you can hear the things which He wants you to hear. Because God wants us as a church to pull together and to rise up together as one body to, to really enter into the things that God has for us. Think about those who were in uh, the upper room, 120 people gathered in the upper room at the beginning of Acts. It says not only were they gathered together physically, they were of one accord. They were of one heart and one mind and one purpose. They were there to really wait on God and to wait on the thing that God was going to do. And I believe God wants to do something just incredible in this community. God wants to do something that will make people stop and, and listen and notice. Anyway, I'm getting excited. <laughs> I hope you're getting excited. Some of you are getting excited. Some of you are falling asleep, but that's another story. So I want to think this morning just for a little while about the paradox of the easy yoke. And why am I saying this? Why am I kind of, I just feel this is something that God wants me to share as well, something that he's been leading me in my thinking, and I thought, this is a message for the church. It's not something for me, it's a message for the church. And we read it in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 30. I'm going to read that. Uh, I'm going to read it from my uh, paper Bible. By the way, the reason I use an iPad a lot when I'm preaching is because I can adjust the font size. Uh, so, this is really quite small for chapter 11, verse 28, the lack of light, but I'm going to give it a try anyway. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow, that's good news, isn't it? I think I'm quite encouraged by that. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And I wanted to just kind of focus on this passage and just maybe draw some things out of this passage that maybe we need to hear today. Let's just walk through uh, the passage. Um, the reason I think it's a paradox is, is have you ever come across an easy yoke? Have you ever thought about that? Has, has a yoke been easy? These are two oxen tied by the yoke. So if you're wondering about that picture and what that was, this is how it's used. So you see that the beam goes across the two oxen. Uh, they're yoked into that. They can't get out of that. And the idea is that they pull in unison. They pull at the same time, at the same speed, with the same effort, and they share the load. And I don't know about you, they're pulling something, whatever it is. Um, they can be used to pull. They can be used to plow. And so when Jesus says that my yoke is easy, my burden is light, it arouses my curiosity. I'm like, eh, that doesn't make sense. So what does it mean? And Jesus says to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And what he's saying is that we need to stop moving or working long enough in order to recover and collect our strength. Who knows, in our society that we just can't seem to stop moving, we're buzzing about from here to there to the next place. We've got cars. Most of us have got cars anyway. Lots of us have got cars. 
if we're not in the car, we're on the bus, if we're not doing that, we're on, uh, we're on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever, and we're just rushing about all the time. We never stop, we never give, give our brains a rest. And if we're not doing that, we're sitting watching the telly. Did you know that using the TV uses a lot of energy in your brain? Did you know that? There you go. If you didn't, you do now. And Jesus says, take my yoke. And the yoke is this wooden uh, beam that joins the two animals together to pull or to plow, whatever it is, and to learn from him. Make sure I've got mine switched off. Yep, have. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just make sure I've got mine switched off. Yep, have now. I didn't have mine switched off either. <laughs> Learning to follow uh, uh, sorry, so learning followed by doing is discipleship. The, the, the word that's used here really is alluding to, to discipleship because when we learn of Jesus, we're learning the right things at the right time and at the right pace. Learn from me, he says, for I am gentle, which means quiet. Just making sure I'm keeping up here. Uh, and humble. And here, here, here is Jesus speaking. Here is the person who was there at the foundation of the world when God said, let there be light. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the incarnation of the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. And at the beginning of creation, He spoke and creation came into being. And here He is taking the, the humble place. I am gentle. I am humble. He's probably the only person who could say, I'm humble and stay humble, okay? I think it's C.S. Lewis who said, as soon as we become aware of our humility, we've lost it. Think about it. <laughs> as soon as it, it's like, oh, I'm a really humble person. <laughs> Not. <laughs> but Jesus is always humble and he's qualified to say that. He's humble in heart at the core of who he is. And then he says, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When we say we find rest, we, we stop moving, all this rushing around. His yoke is easy, which means it's comfortable. And his burden is light, it's manageable. And so what God wants to put on us is something that we can cope with, okay? The, the yoke that God puts on you and the thing that he calls you to do is different from the thing that he calls me to do. And we have different abilities, capacities, giftings. But when we get yoked in with Jesus, when we agree to get tied in with him, then he will move us at the right pace in a way that's comfortable for us and a way that's manageable. Just to maybe, uh, well, I'll miss that bit. Okay, I'll miss that bit. It's not as important. I really think our purpose as a church or as church leaders, is not to burden people with more meetings, but to help release people to live with more meaning. That's our purpose. It's not to burden people, not to give people more loads. I'm going to put that up on the screen. You see, I love it when we meet together. I think it's important that we meet together. Because when Jesus says that when we meet together, He's present. He's there in the midst. And so, meetings for meetings' sake are meaningless. But meetings where we experience the presence of God give us meaning and give us purpose. And I've been to so many meetings in this church over the last 29 years. For 29 years, we've been a part of this church, learning to serve, learning to grow, and heard things that have challenged me. I've been in the Logos. Um, I've studied it for myself. This is a newer Bible. The one that I used to use many, many years ago is Fawlty Bits. This is a newer one which was gifted to me uh, by George and Jean when I started off in the church here. Um, 
And I've been in so many meetings where we've been in the Word of God, taking notes, scribbling on the Bible, scribbling in the notepads. But I've also heard that living Word of God, which has guided me, led me as I've went along. And here I am today, having been in so many meetings. Our purpose isn't just to have meetings for meetings' sake. And I, I think back to earlier days, years, where there'd be umpteen meetings on a Sunday. There's probably one or two people in here who will remember the days where you had meetingitis, okay? I, I, think, I think we've gone from all these meetings on a Sunday and throughout the week, like you could fill your whole calendar with church meetings and stuff, okay? We've went from that to the other side of the pendulum where we don't really necessarily have enough times where we come together to experience the presence of God together. I think the pendulum has swung the other way. And sometimes we struggle with this little bit here. And maybe God wants to move us somewhere into the middle where he is calling us more to connect with each other. Jesus sends out this invitation to us. He says, come to me. He's not saying, go to Robert Cook. He's not saying, go to the pastor. He's not saying, go to the leaders of the church. He's saying, come to me. That's what Jesus is saying. He's given the invitation, and he's not inviting us into some random thing. He's inviting us into the moment, but he's also inviting us into our future because what we do today, the decisions that we make today are shaping our tomorrow. The things which we get to grips with today, the decisions we make will inform what we do tomorrow. Jesus, when he says, come, and sometimes we get that word from God, he's saying, come into the future. Come into the future and have a little look for a wee minute. This is what it's going to look like. And then we need to come back to this place and say, okay, Lord, how do we get to that place? I want to know. But he's, he's inviting us to come. And uh, why does he say rest? I think he says rest because we carry so many burdens. You know, you've probably come in today from dear knows what in your week and carrying some stuff as you come in. Perhaps that stuff that's to do with work, to stuff to do with family, or maybe even ministry, you know, or, or things that you feel responsible for, and you've come in. Why does he call us to come in and rest from that? Because he's gentle, he's humble, and in connecting with him, we find rest for our souls. And I think natural yokes Natural yokes are heavy, but spiritual yokes are light. The thing that God wants to do in you is light. Why did I put a picture of Mary up there? Because she carries something every day. She carries ill health every day, and that can be a burden at times. It can be heavier to bear than other times. We bear all sorts of burdens and loads, but what God wants to give us is light. What God wants to give us fits us well. The problems come when we try to do things in our own strength rather than God's. And that's when we become weary and we become fatigued. And eventually, if we're not careful, we can burn out. I don't know if you've ever felt like that as a person where life is all happening and uh, you just kind of get to a point where you say, I've had enough, I can't take anymore. I've had enough. Whatever that is, a work situation, a family situation, a school situation, a uni situation, you get to the point where you go, I actually, I don't know if I can take any more of this. And it's in those moments where Jesus says, come to me, come to me. And when we come to him, then we recover our strength. Natural 
yokes can be heavy, but spiritual yokes are light. And I think one of the problems is that we fill our lives with activity, and when we have activity without Sabbath, it leads to weariness. God has designed us to work in a particular rhythm. Six. Hi, six. I was just counting my own fingers there. Six. <laughs> I didn't have enough sleep last night. Six and one. Okay? Six and one. Six days on, one day to rest. And what are we doing these days? Seven days on, zero to rest. Whatever that looks like for us, and when we're seven days on and zero to rest, then we become weary, we become burned out, and it's not how God designed us to live. I think about the amount of time we spend on social media and uh, putting posts up and saying, like me, like me, like me, like me. Please like me. I want to be liked. Yeah? For those who are on social media, you'll know what I'm talking about, okay? If you're not on social media, people post things and say, press like if you like me. And it's like... You're, just, you're on it every day counting the amount of likes. It's like, oh, oh I'm up to 10. Oh, oh 20. Oh, oh, people like me. It's great. And we find a sense of worth and self-identity and whether or not people like us on social media. It's like, man, what a waste of time. I like it when people like things I post, let me be totally honest. But I'm posting that just so that people can see what's happening in, in my life, like when we were over in Arizona. I've come back in for eight days and I'm like, I've got nothing to post because nothing's that exciting uh, in my life. And people post all the good stuff and it's like, oh man, I wish I had a life like that. Well, we don't post the bad stuff, eh? We tend not to. <laughs> um, but God is inviting us out of that. Jesus is saying, come, come to me. He's inviting us out of all this stuff that fills our life into his presence. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, the issue is all this labor, all this work that leads to weariness. He's calling those who are laboring, those who are weary, those who are burdened. So if you feel that you're laboring, if you feel like you're wearied, if you feel like you're burdened, God is saying to you today to come to Him, come into His presence. Now, what does it mean when I say a paradox of an early, uh, paradox? Uh, paradox of an easy yoke. What does that mean? Because I've not really addressed that yet, have I? And I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to sum it up in the words of George Curl. Right? When I started as the assistant pastor in this church, George Curl said to me, now don't work too hard, but work. <laughs> I was like, okay, George, I've got it. Don't work too hard, but work. And I think that sums up for me the paradox of the easy yoke. It's like, well, we can interpret this as, oh, come to Jesus and everything will be perfect and fine and blah, 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 and we'll all have a happy time. Uh, the, the, the hoovering will do itself and the ironing will do itself and the dishes will do themselves and the tea will make itself. We'll, like, we'll just sit down and you know, we'll have somebody to come and serve us dinner with our white gloves on. You're just like, is that what you're saying? I don't, think that's what, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying when we come to him, he puts stuff on us that we can handle so that the pace that we're going at and the load that we're carrying is something that he knows we're able to carry. And I think when we get used to carrying that type of stuff, then he says, okay, it's time to change the yoke. It's time to put something a wee bit bigger on you. It's time for you to step up. Don't work too hard, but work. 
George Curl's words resonating in my, my mind. You know, sometimes in our workplace, you know, that's where we, we can experience the struggles. Eh? Um, one day my boss told me to have a, a good day, so I went home. Okay. <laughs> I also know a lot of jokes about unemployed people, but they don't work. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yes. Uh-huh. But if you think about the workplace, I don't know about your workplace, maybe it's different from mine, um, not the one that I'm in just now because I'm employed by the church. I'm talking about a previous workplace, okay, uh, when I worked in Mitsubishi. And people were striving all the time. They were striving for success, striving for significance, and striving for the spotlight. Because if you were successful, if you were significant, and if you had the spotlight, you got a better job, which meant you got promoted, you got more money, etc., etc., etc. Yada, yada, yada. Okay? And there was such a pressure in Mitsubishi to conform, to, to be successful, to, to uh, really achieve great things. And if you weren't doing those things, the temptation was to feel really bad about yourself. Um, but there was something else in my spirit as I worked in Mitsubishi. You know, I, I remember sitting getting a, a review once, and the Japanese boss, he told me, you need to be more aggressive. And I was like, huh? I was, I was like, even after he said it and I went away, I was like, I still don't know what he's talking about. What do you mean more aggressive? I think what he was saying is, you need to be more assertive. You need to be more go-getter. You, you need to be hungry after whatever. And I'm like, I think that's what he was saying. But there was something in me. I was like, I feel called to be here and, and to work in this company. But I'm not sure that this is necessarily my, my, my first love and my focus. Um, because in, in, in my training as a child, uh, I heard this verse, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Um, and, and we're talking about being deprived of the very thing that gives us life. I think striving leads to depriving. Rather than living in the sufficiency of God, success, significance, spotlight, rather than the sufficiency of God's grace, His goodness, and His gifts. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, the provision of God for your life, you may abound in every good work. Why does God provide for us? Why does He give us this sufficiency in all things at all times, that we may abound in every good work? The good work is the thing that God has planned, prepared in advance for you to do. That's the thing that he's asking you to get yoked into Jesus for, is that work that he's asking you to do, that good work. All of this provision, all of this preparation is that we are able to carry the good works that God has for us. I think there's a whole area in here where we need to think about work-life balance. It's a, a topic which comes up. Um, the Bible talked about it a long time ago. What were the rules? Six and not seven and zero. Okay, the Bible talked about work-life balance a long time ago. And we need to learn how to, to get the rhythms of God into our lives. Why? Because I think what you do matters. And how you do it matters. What you do in your workplace matters. 
what you do in your family matters, what you do in your school, college, university matters, and how you do it matters. And I wonder, do you have a sense of calling about where you're at just now and what God is doing in your life? Do you have a sense of calling about the work that God has got you doing just now? And do you bring the kingdom values into the place where God has placed you just now? What are the kingdom values? Things like justice, peace, integrity, honesty, fairness. Do we bring those things into school, to college, to university, to our families, to our streets, to our neighborhoods? We also have responsibilities in our families, don't we? We're all part of a family, no matter which role we occupy in our family. You know, I accidentally handed Mary a glue stick instead of a chapstick. She's still not talking to me. You hear the penny dropping a wee bit later for some people there. And in, in our families and marriage, um, we can sometimes experience stresses and strains, particularly in a culture today which doesn't value these things which we value, marriage, faithfulness, sticking with one person. Our culture doesn't value those things today, sadly, and we've even uh, kind of been exposed to some of that this week um, about how things are working in families and things aren't working the way that God intended them to. Our kids facing multiple school teachers, the internet, pressures with exams, school teachers, bosses, people who are trying to get into our minds and into our heads. We experience pressure in all sorts of places. We even experience pressures in the church, don't we? But our purpose as church leaders is not to burden people with more meetings, but to help people realize and live in their full potential, to live lives full of meaning. Ministry is tiring. Leadership in church can be lonely at times. Souls remain hardened to God at times and unwon. Serving requires humility and effort. And then there's the time commitment and then trying to get the balance and all of that. And underneath all that, we can become quite stressed, quite emotional, and it's then that God says, come to me, not to me, <laughs> come to Jesus, come to him, and I will give you rest for your souls. And stress is always something that happens in the inside, but your stress reveals what your mind conceals. Let me show you a picture. I thought this was fantastic. This is an OCD person's nightmare, okay? <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> Trying to straighten up the leaning tower of Pisa and then making the picture squint. <laughs> your stress reveals what your mind conceals. In my mind, I'm like, that would do my head in. I would never have a picture of the leaning Tower of Pisa on my wall because I'd need to have the picture framed straight and then the tower would be leaning and it's never going to be straight. We <laughs> were watching something on TV, uh, which is quite funny, actually. Um, the, the, the person they went in to see was standing behind the counter and they kept squaring up all the papers and the person noticed and then they were intentionally <laughs> doing that with the papers and knocking and I'm getting them stressed out. I tell you, somebody else did that. Uh, Lois Smith did that. We were playing uh, dominoes around the table. And I don't, this, this version of dominoes, you, ha you start from the middle with the doubles and you've got to m make a line. Of course, my lines are all really, really straight. 
and all nice and perfect. And, and other people's lines are a bit more chaotic, and I would just nudge a piece, tidy it up. And Lois cottoned on to the fact that I was nudging the pieces to tidy them up. And what did she do? She would just go and knock it out. <laughs> They're like, God, you know, do that. And so there's all this stuff goes on inside of us, but it finds its way out, doesn't it? It finds its way out. Our inner stress finds its way out. What happens in our minds finds its way out. The things that we get stressed about. But I'm talking to people who never get stressed about anything today, yeah? There's never any pressure. There's never any moments in your family where you go, right, where you're ready to punch somebody. That never happens in your family, you know. And we can have all this stuff, all this stress, all this pressure. And we go, what do we do with it? What do we do with this? When the red mist comes down, does that ever happen to you? With the red, does, it, does the red mist come down or does it go up? Yeah, does it come down or does it go up? Does it come down? Okay. I wasn't sure if it can like come down for somewhere else random or it came up from inside us. I think it maybe comes up from somewhere in here and goes <laughs> red mist moments where we go ah. what do we do with all that what do we do with it I think Jesus says to us come to me all who are weary burdened, laden down with pressures stresses temptations, things that are happening in the workplace that we don't get we don't understand, why did he get promoted and I didn't, why does the boss like that person, by the way Never argue with the boss. The boss is always right. Okay, it's like wrestling with a pig. Okay, you both get dirty, but the pig will love it. Okay? And, and, and Jesus is saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. Rest on the inside. You see, sometimes we just want to sit down, like physically sit down. It's like, you know, oh, I get in, and I just want to put my feet up and have a wee drink, have a wee rest, have a wee snooze. And, and, and sometimes that's good for the body to do that type, type of thing. But how do we do that with our mind? We kind of just say to our mind, go and have a wee seat and put your feet up and I'll make you a wee cocoa. We kind of say that to our mind. Our mind needs to have something different. And I think Jesus has given us the solution. He said, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary of you, rest for your soul. Not just the body, but the soul. Rest that comes from the inside and works its way out into the body. Our stress reveals what the mind conceals, the things that we get stressed about and people see us getting stressed about. We can be burdened down with all sorts of things and I'm nearly finished. We can be burdened down with guilt because we mess up sometimes, don't we? Or is that just me? Am I the only person in here who messes up sometimes? Do you know... I know that's the right answer. Why? Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, fallen short of His standard, all of us. So it's not just me. And the slide that's up there on the, on the screen says, you're only as safe as your secrets. We mess up sometimes, don't we? And we try to hide it. We try to keep it secret. I remember... I remember when I worked in Mitsubishi, there were people who would make mistakes and they would try to cover their mistakes up. They'd try to brush it under the carpet and hide it, right? And when I made a mistake, everybody knew about it. I was like, 
how did that happen? I'm try- I would like to be able to brush mine under the carpet as well, but everybody knows. I wonder if it's this that tells them, or what is it? I remember one time uh, in our department, we were in, in charge of all the engineering information that would come in from Japan, from our engineers, from uh, our, our sister factory in Harrington, and we'd have to process all that and make sure that the right materials were bought at the right time and were kitted to production at the right times and the right batches, and they were doing the right things and all this kind of stuff. It all happened to... It all had to happen at the right time. And on one occasion, somehow, I don't know how this happened, I, can't, well, I, can't, I knew then, but I can't remember now, we uh, put through an engineering change which meant that little cans had, were soldered onto this printed circuit board and it, it all happened a batch early. And then we discovered, actually, we've made a mistake. Everybody knew about it. And I had to go up and speak at the production meeting to all the managers and bosses and say, this was our fault, this was our department, this is what happened, and this is what we've done to correct it, to change it. All my secrets were out. I, I could never keep things hidden under the carpet. Not that I would have probably wanted to anyway. But we're only as safe as our secrets. I, you know, think about that. Think about this whole kind of like brushing it under the carpet stuff. Think about our stuff in life that we I'm not very proud of. And we want to just brush it under the carpet and hope that God doesn't notice it. You ever thought, he'll never notice, he'll never know. He'll never know what I was watching on TV last night or the internet last night. He'll never know. He's, he, nah, he doesn't know, does he? I'll just brush it under the carpet. <laughs> yeah, really. And we get weighed down with all this stuff because we're trying to keep stuff to ourselves and not talk about it and not open up. But I tell you, there's a tremendous power in confession. There's a tremendous power, not only in confessing to Jesus, who says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and talk about this stuff with me and get it off your chest and confess it and I'll forgive you. Because the Bible says that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, to make us clean, cleanse us from all our sin, all our stuff, all our baggage, all our unrighteousness. God can make us clean. All of that stuff, our fears, our doubts, our guilt, our worry, even our physical health. God can heal us of all these things. He can make us the person that he always planned for us to be. And he's specifically speaking today to people who are weary and burdened. And he's specifically saying, I'm going to give you rest. He's offering a fresh perspective on what it means to live his way, not our way. That's when we say, I've had enough of living my life my way. I want you to come into the driving seat. I want you to guide me and I want to live life your way. We need to learn to tune into God's voice, the things that He is saying, the promises that He has made over us, learn to do things God's way. And here's the thing, when we begin to get ourselves yoked in to Jesus and we say, okay, here I am, this is what's been going on in my life, enough of that, more of you, I want to just be in step with what you want to do in my life. For me, it's kind of summed up in a song that I've been singing over and over and over again. I heard it at a conference last year, um, but I just really discovered it this year. And this is what it says. Can't go back to the beginning. 
Can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is a place where you promise to be. I don't know about you. I don't know how that affects you, just listening to those words. For me, I came to a place where I realized, actually, I can't go back and change the past. can't do that. It's too late to change the past. The past is the past and remains unchanged. All we can do is deal with stuff from the past that wants to affect our today or our tomorrow. Can't control what tomorrow will bring. We don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about my tomorrow. I know what's in my diary for tomorrow, but I, I don't know. I can't control tomorrow. None of us can control that. All we can do is say, here in the middle is the place where you promise to be. Here in the middle is the place where I just want to experience your presence, where I want to come to you, where I want to lay those burdens down at your feet. The Bible says, cast all your cares, all your worries, all your burdens, your anxieties on Him, for He cares for you. Bring it to Jesus and lay it at His feet. And the, God, the, the work that God wants you to do is not too hard. It's not too difficult for you. Because when God asks you to do something, then He gives you, He equips you. Well done, Steve. Entirely right. When God, and, and I read this last year and it really spoke to me, when God asks you to do something, carried in the very command that He's given you, the thing that He's asked you to do, whatever that is, that carried in that is the ability to do the thing that He's asked you to do. He's not going to lay something on you that's ill-fitting, that's too heavy. You know, I could put on Steve Giorgio's jacket and I'd look like a wee smurf, okay? It's the wrong size for me. He's never even going to get remotely close to putting mine on, okay? Physically, we're a different size, but spiritually, we're in different places in our walk with God, and what God wants to put on us is something that fits us, maybe just a wee bit on the big side because He wants us to grow into it, but what He wants to lay on you is the right thing for you at this time. What's the paradox of the easy yoke? Don't work too hard, but work. Gene, you need to tell George I've been quoting them today, Okay. Don't work too hard, but work, right? God has something for you to do, and he's asking you to get involved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, talks about the fact that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, good works, which he prepared beforehand when, before the very foundation of the world, things God had prepared for you that you should walk in them. You see, there's a, a work to be done and a world to be won. And we need to get involved in the things that God is calling us to. I'm finishing with this picture intentionally. Don't, don't underestimate your significance as you walk humbly before God because there's a work to be done and a world to be won. We were on holiday and we saw this picture, we saw this in a church and something about this image really spoke to me. Sorry, I'm looking that way because there's a telly up the back. Let's look this way. <laughs> this image really spoke to me because it's a fishing boat with a net that's out and the net is catching fish. And I have a message to share about this very shortly. That God, God plans for this church to be a fishing church, to be a church that's bringing in 
fish. I think it's what God is saying, and I'll talk more about that. There's a work to be done and a world to be won. There are people who don't know Jesus yet, and God wants to reach out to them as we humbly walk before him. The paradox of the easy yoke, don't work too hard, but work. There's something that God is calling you to do in this church, and that job will be the right thing for you at the right time. But you need to be stepping up and stepping forward and stepping out into that. Let's just pray for a moment as the musicians come back up to the the platform and we take up our offering and do all those things.